should be hearing myself just fine. There we go. A little uh, short in the headphones. Nice to have you with me on a Wednesday morning. Oh, what is that? We got the Big Ten music from the old Big Ten podcast intruding on the proceedings. Sorry about that. Yeah, I got to wake up. I got to get with it. But I'm glad to be here with you on a uh, Wednesday morning edition of the We Tackle Life podcast. Before I forget, we have an email address now that uh, removes the former co-host of the podcast. Uh, because it's not fair for me to have his name because I don't want people to think, oh, when's Chris coming back? He's too busy with the Detroit Lions. He's not coming back. So the new email address is we tackle life at gmail.com. I believe I have it on the crawl here for you. Yes, that was uh, that former crawl, our guest, Jim Lachey. That's from a podcast I did the other uh, night for my friends at PressProsMagazine.com. So apologize for that. Off to a shaky start here today, but thanks for joining. This is not going to be too deep on the sports end, but the reason why, and typically now if I don't have uh, sports topics to get into, I just table it until I do. But this morning, I felt like it was important to talk to you mainly about something that is dominating our culture and something that you probably struggle with uh, in your life, uh, balancing, avoiding, navigating, and that's cancel culture. I know I talked about it the other day. Since then, I've thought a lot more about it, and I felt like I didn't really give any solutions or instruction or biblical insight and application the other day. So I want to get into that today. But we'll start with a little Buckeye basketball. They stay number four in the poll. They go to Penn State today. They play the Nittany Lions tomorrow night. It'll be a very difficult game for them because Penn State just has something that Ohio State doesn't seem to handle very well. They've got a lot of guys similar-sized on the perimeter. So that matches up with Ohio State, who you, know, you got Kyle Young, Justice Suing, E.J. Liddell, all kind of right there in that 6'7"-ish to 6'5"-ish category. Gene Brown's in there. Seth Towns is in there. And Penn State has that. So they can switch on the perimeter. They don't get caught in very many matchups that are not good for Penn State. They also have guys who are really skilled off the dribble. So if Ohio State has a so-so defender on the floor, Seth Towns would be one. Justin Arns would be another. Uh, and... C.J. Walker, while he's an outstanding defender against guys his size, you saw the other night at Maryland inside, he struggles against guys who are bigger than he is because they can post him up and do damage. And then Penn State also has a big guy who is a beast on the offensive boards, and that's a problem for Ohio State because keeping him off requires a lot of physicality, and anytime you mix physicality with Big Ten officials, you never know from one night to the next how they're going to call it. So there's a potential that Kyle Young, E.J. Liddell could both be in foul trouble but it's nice to have Zed Key there as a backstop against the other team's bigs taking over the game. That'll really be a problem, or at least an issue, uh, focus on Sunday against Michigan. That's number three against number four. would like for Ohio State to win on Thursday night, so that game Sunday has some serious juice. And then if you do lose the game Sunday, which is quite possible because Michigan's really good, and they're really fresh, having been off for 23 days because of COVID, then wouldn't seem like there's a lot going wrong with Ohio State. I think we're at the point where no matter what happens to Ohio State from this point on in the regular season, and I say that, of course, I can't lose every game, but they play a lot of tough games. They play at Michigan State. They play Iowa at home. They're obviously playing Michigan this Sunday. So they've had an awesome January, and that's been different of previous Chris Holtman teams. Other Chris Holtman teams have the schedules fallen such that January's been a tough month. 
This year, the schedule shaped up that January could be a tough month. These guys just happened to be playing phenomenally well at that time, and they've handled it <laughs> beyond my expectations, that's for sure. I mean, it'd be a pretty spirited Twitter poll if I would say which is the most surprising Ohio State win at Illinois, at Wisconsin, at Iowa. It'd uh, be hard for me to pick from those three. I'd probably say at Iowa, although boy, at Illinois. Illinois has got better talent than Iowa. So that one was a real shock. And the great thing about Ohio State is they can beat you a lot of ways. They can play you in the 50s, 60s, 70s, or 80s. And you never know from night to night who it's going to be that you have to worry about. And even in the midst of a game, in a spurt, as was the case Sunday, E.J. Liddell and Dwayne Washington had three points in that getaway spurt for Ohio State after Indiana pulled within four and then five and then six and four and back. And then Ohio State just blew them out, which I loved, of course. I'm a big fan of Hemisphere Coffee Roasters Coffee. As you well know, they are the official uh, coffee sponsor of the podcast. They're the first and longest-running sponsor of the podcast, and hopefully your loyalty to Hemisphere will be just as long-running. You can order online, HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. They have a new coffee coming. I'm I'm not going to like not hint about it anymore because they promoted it the other day on their Twitter. Yes, it's Bourbon Barrel Coffee. And this is what I was talking about when I say you go the extra mile, even though you have a uh, successful enterprise, whether it's a team, whether it's a business, whatever it is, and you keep pushing, how can we get better? How can we get better? How can we get better? That thirst, that hunger, that pursuit of excellence. So Paul at Hemisphere got an idea. He had a big old barrel, and he thought, what would happen if I put beans in there? And when coffee beans come to Hemisphere, first of all, they're every bean, it's teeny tiny, is touched by a human hand because it has to be picked off a vine. It's like in a little blossom, like a little looks like a little cherry on the coffee plant. They have to pick it and pull the bean out. Well, the bean is teeny tiny. It comes to hemisphere green. So that's how bean coffee beans get dark by roasting them. And that's the art of being a coffee expert is knowing how long to roast the bean. Over roast it, taste burnt. Under roast it, not getting the full flavor. So Paul took the beans after they were roasted. He put them in a bourbon barrel, and he rolls the barrel in their facility to infuse the beans with a little bourbon-y flavor. And uh, it's coming. Bourbon Barrel Coffee from Hemisphere. So order HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Use the promo code WETACKLELIFE in all caps. Okay. Um. I got a bunch of uh, a bunch of things I want to talk to you about about cancel culture, but um, there's really not a whole lot of other football or anything else out there. Um, we've talked about Archie Miller and Chris Holtman and how that's been a slam dunk for Ohio State, which I love. We talked about Urban Meyer and his Jaguars blip, the Chris Doyle strength coach thing. Daryl Bevel, by the way, is Urban's offensive coordinator. Daryl Bevel is a former Wisconsin quarterback. Those of you who uh, go back like I do to at least the early 90s of Big Ten football. Daryl Bevel was the first quarterback at Wisconsin under Barry Alvarez to win a Rose Bowl. Daryl Bevel in Wisconsin won the Rose Bowl in the 1993 season when Ohio State and Wisconsin didn't play because Ohio State lost to Michigan and Wisconsin had not had lost one game earlier, but the Badgers had not been to the Rose Bowl since Ohio State had been there. So Bucky the Badger got to go to the Rose Bowl, layup win over Wisconsin. And Daryl Bevel, who was not a runner, scrambled in for a touchdown in the waning minutes of that game to clinch the win 
for Barry Alvarez. It was the first of three Wisconsin wins in the Rose Bowl in the 90s, something no Big Ten coach has ever done. And they also won back-to-back Rose Bowls, which no, I don't believe any Big Ten coach has ever done because I know nobody had done it before that. So Daryl Bevel had an Ohio tie. Daryl Bevel was a Mormon missionary, and he did his Mormon mission in Cleveland, riding his bicycle around and doing what they do on a Mormon mission. And so then Bevel ends up at Wisconsin, and he ends up winning the Rose Bowl for Wisconsin, and then he ends up in the NFL, and he was with the Vikings for a long time. He was with the Seahawks with Russell Wilson. I just don't know that I believe this, but I know Urban, and so I kind of do believe it. I was reading a story today that Urban hired Daryl Bevel to call the plays. Urban's not going to call the plays. Bevel's going to call the plays, but Bevel was talking about, yeah, I didn't really know much about the zone read until I got to Seattle and we had Russell Wilson. Now, look, I know Trevor Lawrence can run. We know that from the semifinal against Ohio State a couple years ago. But Trevor Lawrence is the franchise in Jacksonville, and I just hope Urban is not going to try to utilize Trevor Lawrence as a zone read quarterback. Clemson did some of it. I wouldn't do it at all in the NFL. I wouldn't do it at all because it's just not a risk worth running. Um, Literally and figuratively, risk worth running. Because that dude, he's a big target, man. And ay ay ay. This was the thing with the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes when they played the Browns and Patrick Mahomes got hurt and his mom was whining about Mac Jones hitting him hard. I'm like, well, hand it off. Hand it off. It's the NFL. You don't hand it off, and you're a runner. You're gonna get oh, you're gonna get smoked. And Urban can't afford to have Trevor Lawrence get smoked. Uh, there was a USA Today columnist the other day talking about Urban's gonna fail because look how he's hiring coaches. And Urban might fail, but it's not gonna be because he hires bad coaches. The top of my list worry for him failing is he gets Trevor Lawrence hurt. So I wouldn't run that. Maybe Bevel was throwing up a smokescreen. I don't know, but it's going to be interesting to watch the Jags and what they do with that other first-round pick that they have. I think they have two twos and two ones, so they can get some good players. They can get good in a hurry. J.J. Watt to the Browns. Uh, Mary Kay Cabot is writing that J.J. Watt, who the Texans released, is very interested in the Browns. He wants to get to the Super Bowl. Yeah. When's the last time a free agent signed with the Browns because he wanted to get to the Super Bowl? <laughs> Whoo, he might be the first. Okay, so what do I think of it? I don't love spending $17 million on J.J. Watt. I don't. I don't know what the, I mean, small doses, J.J. Watt here and there. Yeah, I mean, sure, great pass rusher opposite Miles Garrett. I think for your overall team, that money could be spent better on guys who are less injury prone than J.J. Watt. It would seem to me J.J. Watt has made all the money J.J. Watt needs to make. Now, I'm not going to love it if he ends up in Pittsburgh with his brother T.J. and his other brother. I don't know, Daryl, is that his name? I have no idea. No, I don't know who it is. But he has another brother playing with the Steelers. And that would seem to me like that would be like a slam dunk for J.J. Watt. But maybe he didn't want to play for the Watt family hometown discount with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't know. But I just would not pay J.J. Watt $17 million to be a, what's the most you're going to get out of J.J. Watt? J.J. Watt going to play 17 games? I wouldn't think so. Is he going to play 10? 12? 6? 2? Who knows? Wouldn't do it. Would not do it. But they might do it because 
They seem to love big personalities up there. Um, maybe the Texans would take, well, they don't need to trade Odell Beckham to the Texans because Watt's a free agent. Let go. I would hope the Browns by next season would no longer have Odell Beckham on their roster. They do not need Odell Beckham. He is more trouble than he is worth. They have adequate to better than adequate wide receivers without him. He commands too much attention, whether he contributes or doesn't contribute, and I just would want more air in the room, and there'd be a lot of air if Odell Beckham was out of there not consuming most of the air in the room. Okay, open enrollment is back open. It was closed in December. It never opens this time of year except Joe Biden signed an executive order, and he wants more people to it's – a, it's a it's a – it's a political move. There's nothing wrong with a political move that benefits people, and this one benefits you. If you fail to look at your health insurance in December and you want to now, you can, and Chrissy and the AUI team will help you with it. I can't even – I've never done the healthcare.gov website because I've been fortunate to have health insurance through other places, but I can't imagine figuring all that out on my own, so it's nice to know that there's a consultant. And you may not know that you're paying for a consultant whether you use it or not. It's already baked into the cost of the policy. Why wouldn't you use it if it's there for you and it doesn't cost you extra, which AUI doesn't. You use their expertise. You do it on chat, on Zoom, on a phone, in person if you want to, but it's kind of silly to do it in person when you can do it on chat or Zoom. And boom, you get great input, great insight, great counsel, free. Somebody's paying health insurance companies are paying. That's who's paying. So take advantage of it. AUIinfo.com. AUIinfo.com. All right. Uh, I have uh, never mentioned over the past few months, years, that uh, we, I say we because it's under Spielman and Hooley. I'm going to try to change it to just me. But people always ask me, like, how can I contribute to the podcast? Love what you do. And I'm like, well, just listen. Tell your friends. But, um, I've been praying recently about God to provide a way for us to afford an investment in our kids' education, uh, private school. Uh, and so God's like, you know, why don't you just tell people you have a Patreon page if they want to contribute, they can. So we have a Patreon page, and if you want to contribute, you can. If you don't know what Patreon is, it's a place where podcasters put up their podcast, and if you like the podcast and you say, yeah, it's pretty cool, I get this podcast free, I'll give them five bucks a month or ten bucks a month or whatever. You can do that. I always felt like begging to me, but I just got another email the other day. They're like, you know, why don't you start a Patreon page? I'm like, well, we actually have one. So anyway, we did it in the beginning. It was on those list of things you do when you start a podcast, and Chris and I never really felt like, eh, sounds kind of goofy to bring it up. But God laid it on my heart the other day. He's like, I'm going to take care of this thing in your life, and I'm excited about how he's going to take care of it because I don't know. It's like a big surprise. It's like Christmas morning because we've prayed through it. We feel strongly that um, this is the right move for a couple of our kids, and so we're doing it, and we don't know how we're going to pay for it, and we just feel like God will give us a great story to tell on how it came about. So if it's partially from Patreon or partially from something we don't even know exists right now, from the sale of my wife's books, yes, my wife's an author, and if you are looking for books for uh, your teenager that uh, they're not they're not like loaded up with scripture and stuff like that. No, they're like story. They're like fiction, and they're just like a fiction of a girl going through high school and dealing with all the things that girls deal with in high school. But the one thing I would say is the resolution of the issues is always along solid moral grounds. 
So it just ingrains good values in your kids. And the reviews of the books are really good. You can find them on Amazon. Uh, search uh, Sherry Hooley, S-H-E-R-I. Search it. And they had a free download of one of the books yesterday. So I should have mentioned it the other day, but I didn't. So she has five books in the series. The character builds from book one to book five. But you can buy book three and understand everything in book three without having books one, two, or four, five. So whatever you want to do, books are 10 bucks. They cost us five. We make five bucks off each book. So we felt like if I, she wanted to price them at five, and I said, you price them at five, people think they're not worth anything. So prove me right. Buy Sherry's books at Amazon.com. All right. Um, I'm going to put up the faith banner right now because I mentioned the other day about the urban situation and the Chris, what's his last name? Chris, why is that leaving me? Chris Harrison, bachelor situation with cancel culture. And so I was thinking, man, Bruce, you talked all about cancel culture and you never gave any biblical insight on cancel culture. And so I thought about it, prayed about it, researched it online. And it's interesting. The research that I came across online was what already was in my heart in terms of three instances in the Bible, two specifically, where I feel like Jesus dealt with cancel culture, addressed it. And then one instance where he modeled how to respond to it. Okay. So cancel culture is, you know what it is. Somebody says something that people perceive to be horrible, awful, terrible, politically incorrect, racist, sexist, homophobic, whatever. Or somebody actually says something that is homophobic or whatever. You know, they they goof up. They say something stupid. So they get canceled. Twitter, ah, off with their head. They get deplatformed. They get this, that, the other. So I've been thinking about how to respond to cancel culture and what we as Christians should model on cancel culture. And I thought the quintessential example in the Bible is um, first and foremost illustrated in John 8, where Jesus is teaching and he's engaging with the religious leaders and they're not a fan of his. And so they try to trip him up, and they bring him a woman caught in the act of adultery. Now, in that culture, adultery was punishable by death, okay? Found to be cheating on your spouse or having you know, sex outside of marriage, boom, they'd kill you. A little different now. So they bring this woman to Jesus, and they say, she's caught in the very act of adultery. What should we do with her? Because they know the Jewish law says stone her, stone her to death. And Jesus doesn't say anything. He just kind of ignores him. And he bends down and he starts writing in the dirt. And as he's writing in the dirt, he says, yeah, okay. Well, whoever here hasn't sinned ever in their life, you pick up the first stone and you throw it. (laughs) And now it's like, you got to do an inventory of your own life. And, oh, mm, yeah, uh-oh, well, guess I can't go first. And slowly, the crowd of accusers of this woman and this, by connection, accusing Jesus of, you know, they're trying to trap him, they just ebb away. And he's down there riding in the dirt. He doesn't say anything. Where are you going? Eh, he doesn't say that. 
they just walk away. And he looks up and he goes, hey, where are all the people who were condemning you? And she says, well, they're gone. And he says, well, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, he didn't say just go. He said, go, don't do it again. Okay, so she should have been canceled, ostracized, canceled forever, stoned. And stoning is just what you think it is. They take big stones and they throw them at you until you die. But that was not his response. That's the law of the day, but that's not his response. His response was to forgive. His response was to allow her a second chance. So then we go to Matthew 18, and Peter, Jesus' right-hand man, his consigliere, Peter probably had an issue with his brother Andrew, and or maybe he was just curious what Jesus would say. But he asked Jesus, hey, how many times do I have to forgive my brother? Could be his blood brother, could be his brother in the faith, close friend, neighbor, whatever. How many times do I have to forgive him? You know, the law says, Peter's still talking, the law says seven times. Like, wow, seven times. Pretty magnanimous of me to forgive it seven times. And Jesus says, no, not seven times. Seventy times seven. In other words, he didn't mean 490 times. He meant you're always to offer forgiveness. You're always to offer forgiveness. So I think from that we can pretty much be certain that Jesus was not about cancel culture. Jesus was not about picking out a word or an opinion or even a colossal screw-up. Like, well, it's Tom Brenneman. Tom Brenneman, colossal screw-up on the air. And he's, by all accounts, I just watched a podcast with Tom, atoning for that, doing everything he can to heal the people that he hurt, and to learn from his mistake. And there will be people who will never forgive Tom Brenneman. I don't know if Tom Brenneman will ever get another job in broadcasting. He should. He's really talented. I would love it if somebody would give him a chance. And I would love it if when they gave him the chance, they said, well, we're giving Tom a second chance because we believe in second chances because Jesus believed in second chances. Jesus believed in 20-second chances. He believed in 220-second chances. He believed in 2,220-second chances. He believed in infinite second chances because God is a God of love. And thankfully, he is a God of second chances and 22,222 second chances because Bruce has consumed all of them with his hard-headed, stiff-necked, blinded, stupid, prideful life. I've needed every one of the second chances. In the Lord's Prayer, where Jesus was asked, you know, how should we pray? You pray all the time, Lord. How should we pray? We want to pray right. We're going to pray. We want to do it right. How do you do it? What should we do? How should we pray? And you know how the Lord's Prayer goes. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses, our sins, our mistakes as we forgive others. Hmm. 
And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then you think the rest of it is, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. No. Read it. Matthew 6, starting in verse 9. We get down to verse 13, the near end of the Lord's Prayer that you know and have committed to memory, most likely, like I have all these years. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. There is no, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. There is none. That's not there. That was added. That was added by men. You know what Jesus said? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Matthew 6, 14. Here it comes. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Mic drop. Can't be any clearer than that. No these, thys, thous, whatever. Clear, stated indictment of cancel culture. Matthew 6.15, here comes again. Brace yourself. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive yours. Ouch. So what is our example when canceled? This is a big struggle for me. This scripture my wife shared with me in... Spring of 2010, when I was canceled for taking an unpopular opinion on the radio. Now, don't get me wrong. I was not a martyr. I was not, I would go back and do that totally differently. So, but even in an area where you make a mistake, And my mistake was glorifying in someone else's failure, pushing them down to lift myself up. That's bad. I have a bad habit of doing that. Hopefully I've gotten away from that. But she gave me this scripture, and I think this is instructive for all of us when we find ourselves the object of cancel culture. Let's say it's in an unjustifiable situation. You take a stand for truth. You state a biblical opinion that homosexuality is sin, that Fornication, sex outside marriage, is sin. Okay, so I'm putting them right side by side because they're both wrong. But there are many social things now that we try to wrap in okay. It's okay because, you know, it's a modern era. The Bible is the source of truth. There is no your truth and my truth. The Bible is the truth. This is the living, breathing Word of God, that we are to take our instruction from and use to instruct others, counsel others, comfort others, not accuse others. But Jesus, you know he didn't sin, and you know he was canceled by the Jews and by Pilate and the Romans. So how did he respond? 1 Peter 2, 21. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example 
that you should follow in his steps. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. He entrusted himself to him who judges justly. God knows. God always knows. He knows our hearts. He knows our intentions. He forgives our mistakes endlessly. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and invites me in, I will come in and fellowship with him. So that's what I think the Bible says about cancel culture. It is not of God, nor is intersectionality. Jesus did not come to elevate a a, a group of people. He came to elevate all people. And his formula for doing that is very simple. He provided a perfect sacrifice at the cross for all of us who make mistakes, and we all have, and we all will continue to. And when we accept that sacrifice of his as our only qualification for acceptance in God's sight, then we are acceptable in God's sight. We are trusting what Jesus did because all of our good things, as Paul says, are filthy rags. Doesn't mean we shouldn't do them. just means they're not good enough to qualify us, balanced against the rotten attitudes, lousy words, and other things that we've either done, said, or felt. So with that, I leave you today with a, I think, shorter, a little bit shorter version of the podcast. Heavy on the faith side because I felt like God used... Uh, my uh, recollection of the other day's podcast to say, you know, you've outlined a problem. You didn't provide any solutions. You didn't provide any, provide any instruction, any inspiration, any encouragement. So I apologize for that and hope you guys have a great day and uh, look forward to hearing from you. We tackle life at gmail.com. We tackle life at gmail.com. And you can also review the podcast on iTunes. I would appreciate that. I get uh, updates when that happens, which I am thankful for. Also thankful for my friend Stan and his great partners at Willis Spangler Starling. I'm going to cut a new commercial for Willis Spangler Starling on my radio show at 98.9. I was thinking about my my advice is don't wait till you need a law firm to hire a law firm. I was thinking, what else should you not wait to get until you need it? Shark repellent, a parachute. And if you can't swim, a life raft. So, Willis Spangler Starling, let them be your life raft, your shark repellent, your parachute when things strike in your life unexpectedly and you're either the object of illegal legal action or need to press illegal action or just need advice on whether your legal rights have been violated and whether it's a good thing for you to pursue that uh, through an attorney firm. They're the best legal team you will find. Willis Spangler Starling. Truman Boulevard and Hilliard online, willisattorneys.com, willisattorneys.com. Have a great day. Talk to you again on Friday after, hopefully, an Ohio State win over Penn State.